You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. so well with the, the changes and uh, the parking situation and uh, yeah, I hope maybe you're able to enjoy uh, if you parked a little bit further away this morning, a little, just a little fresh air walk, get the blood pumping and uh, you know you weren't just rolling straight out of the car into the auditorium but you had to breathe the fresh air and uh, see the beautiful sky and um, yeah but I do want to say thank you I know, I know that having been used to parking uh, around our auditorium when there's change, it, it can be disruptive. So thank you so much um, for dealing with that and for coming into this place and lifting up the name of Jesus. Uh, I just, I wanna, I just want to begin by honouring a few people this morning, if that's all right. Um, not to go into details, but there's a number of different sort of complications around uh, being able to put the service together this morning. And there's a few people that just went absolutely above and beyond to be able to facilitate the service for us this morning and uh, we had Craig Finn up the back you know not too many people see him but he he did an incredible job this morning uh, I don't think even I will understand the lengths to which he went this morning to make sure that you could hear me hear the band those sorts of things uh, Maggie Padgett and her team this morning uh, we just honor them our venue team our park our, our car parking team uh, they were the ones that managed and facilitated all the changes and uh, I just want to thank them and honour them this morning. Um, but as I, as I shared with a number of the teams this morning, I'm really grateful for the, the truth that Pastor Keith continually um, lays out from this pulpit and that is that all of those things, sound, parking, lifts, uh, storage containers, all of those things, they are not the church. They are not the church. We are the church. The people are the church. When we gather together, we're the church. When we gather and lift up the name of Jesus, that's when He's in our midst. Not when we have our sound sorted, not when we have all our tables and chairs out, not when we can park next to our, our front door, but, but when we choose to gather together and lift up His name, that is what the church is. And uh, I just wonder sometimes if, if God doesn't allow some things uh, physically to just, just remind us that actually at the end of the day, it's us together that is the church. And I'm all about bringing excellence. And I want to honor the guys that help us do that. But we need to keep at our core that it's gathering together. It's being here. It's people together lifting up Jesus. That's church. That's what it is. So, yeah, awesome. Um, let's, let's open the scripture this morning, if that's all right. I've already probably talked way too long. So uh, let's get into the Bible. Let's start near the beginning. And uh, we're going to go from the beginning all the way through to the end. And uh, by the time I'm finished, you're going to be warm and cozy because it's going to be the middle of the day. All right. Thanks to our band. Can we give them a little round of applause? How good is it to have uh, one of our youth team graduating? Uh, Caleb. Uh, Gil playing in the morning service now. He joined youth team, what, like the start of the year, halfway through last year, I think. And uh, he has just gone from strength to strength. And um, yes, yeah, awesome to see the way God just develops generation after generation to continue rising up in the church. And uh, yeah, he's cool. He's awesome. Uh, but I want to I read a passage this morning for you from Genesis. Uh, I'm going to start in chapter 1 and uh, verse 28. It says, God blessed them and told them, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Be masters 
over the fish and birds and all the animals. And God said, look, I have given you the seed-bearing plants throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given all the grasses and all the green plants to the animals and birds for their food. And so it was. Then God looked over all that he had made and he saw that it was excellent in every way. This all happened on the sixth day. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, having finished his task, God rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from his work of creation. Awesome, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your word. I want to thank you that you're here in the midst of us. Lord, I thank you that uh, it's not by strength, it's not by might, but it is by your spirit. God, the transformation is by your spirit. Revelation is by your spirit. Father, I pray this morning that as your word goes out, Father, it would go to work in our hearts, shaping, changing, and molding us to be your people. Lord, we lift up the knights. God, they need some help. And for all the grieving Socceroos fans, uh, we pray for the new direction, the new coach. Pray you take us forward, and we declare the World Cup will be ours one day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. There's a lack of faith in here for the World Cup coming to Australia. What's going on, guys? Uh, welcome to our visitors here with us today. Uh, my name's Nate, and uh, now I get to say that I'm the campus pastor, which is a new thing. Um, very exciting for Rach and I. Uh, uh, my wife, who uh, wasn't able to be here with us, our little nephew is getting dedicated this morning at C3NC in town, and uh, so she's there, and I'll head over after this service. We'll have a little party. It's going to be great. I love kids' parties. They have the best food at kids' parties. Uh, right, because uh, adults' parties, we're, we're all like sugar conscious these days, uh, but you get the right kids' party and it's still like lollies and chocolate and uh, it's awesome. It's like my favorite food group. Um, it's uh, as I was uh, Instagramming last night. How funny is this generation, right? Like we just talk about social media like it's super normal. Um, and uh, I tweeted a chocolate block of chocolate and I uh, said, that's why I run. Um, I'm one of those people who don't love exercise. I love food, so I exercise. Uh, I don't know if you can relate, but that's, that's me. That's where I'm at. And um, anyway, so yeah, I, I honestly count it as an incredible privilege uh, to, to lead this campus. And um, yeah, I want to take a moment just to lift up Pastor Keith and Janet, uh, who are ministering over at uh, Northwest this morning. And uh, Lord, we just pray you'd bless them. We thank you for them. And uh, we just honor our senior pastors, God. And uh, just continue to give them incredible strength, capacity, leadership, wisdom, in Jesus' name. But uh, they have been gracious enough to let me kick off our new series, and uh, we're all very excited coming out of Vision Month. Uh, I'm, I'm so genuinely excited about where God's taken our church. Uh, I do believe it is time that we will begin to see growth and we'll begin to see greater influence um, in our city. And I find that incredibly, uh, I don't know, just really like, yes, we're moving, we're doing something, we're going forwards. And I think that it's so important to always keep our eye on the purpose 
that the purpose of church is not for us as individuals, but the purpose of church is for the greater community. It's for the, it's for the world, right? We're the only organization that exists for our non-members, okay? I love having you guys here, and I love getting together and, and celebrating God and all those things, but ultimately, uh, what we talk about and what we communicate in this place, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, it's a greater benefit to those who have not yet heard it than those of us that have heard it and believed in it and are running with it. Uh, and so I'm excited to see how God uses this church to take that good news out into the community um, and to see it change lives. Um, but our new series, as you can see on the screen, uh, is actually about the Sabbath. Um, yeah, so many cheers right there. Everyone is pumped. Everyone's pumped about the Sabbath, that or you're, uh, you're all turned into ice cubes. Uh, we might need to do like every five minutes, stand up, turn around, sit down, uh, just to keep everybody warm. But I'll be honest, last year, I can say this because Pastor Keith's not here, um, but last year when he launched uh, the month of rest for our church, uh, directly after our vision month, um, I, I was like, I don't know about that. Uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know if, if, if we should launch vision and then stop. Like, to, to me, uh, to the way that my mind works strategically, analytically, I'm like, we have launched it, now let's get going. Like, let's start, like, planning, let's start objectifying goals, and, and let's start moving, let's, like, like mobilize the people to be, to be working towards a vision, and, and Pastor Keith's like, no, no, we, we, we're going to stop. We're going we're gonna to launch the vision, and then we're going to stop. And uh, I was, like, wrestling this thing through, and Pastor Keith always says, you know, um, sometimes God will offend your mind uh, first. Uh, because so often we live out of our mind, not out of our spirit. He has to start getting something in tension in our mind for us to realize, well, there's something going on here that I need to, I need to address. I need to get into Scripture and, and read and, and try to work out, is, is what I'm thinking actually in line with Scripture? Because often it's not, and we're unaware of it until attention comes to start to compete against the mindset that we're living from to draw us to realize we're living from an incorrect mindset. And, um, and so I was like, ah, it's uh, not computing in my head. Um, I appreciated the month of rest, don't get me wrong. Uh, but for me, after launching Vision and going into a month of rest was, was not something that I participated in easily. But I've actually begun to learn um, that the month of rest is, is really a tangible implementation of the fact that we don't work for rest, we work from rest. That goes for everything that we do in life, all right? And uh, I want to honor Pastor Keith, like I can say both sides of the coin here because he's not here, but I want to honor him for having the determination as a leader to stand firm in his convictions when even people on his team are going, are you sure about that, Pastor Keith? Are you sure? Uh, but he is someone who absolutely hears from God, and, and uh, we are blessed to have a leader that when he hears, he stays. He stays a distance, and he leads us into the space that he hears from God about. And uh, I'm blessed because as I've gone in that journey, got into that slipstream behind him, uh, God has begun to do a work in my mind about the benefit of rest, about the benefit of, of something like a Sabbath, of the benefit of, of having something in place that is practical, that helps me live out a spiritual necessity. If I didn't have a month of rest right now, I don't know that I'd rest. I don't know about you if you can relate to that, but unless someone tends, if I, if I don't get to the start of the year and book in my holidays, I will go the year and get to the end and go, ah, I, I forgot to take holidays. 
Not that we do it deliberately, but we're just so in focus and getting done what we think needs to get done that, that unless we have this pre-planned break, we are, I, I, I think we actually lean naturally as humanity, we lean towards work. We lean towards striving and driving forward. There's something within us as human beings uh, that, that, that we just have this inclination towards work. It's interesting because once we stop and rest, I think it's in those places that we realize God is speaking. I don't know about you, but if my mind is full of all the things I have to do all week, like if, like if I'm focused on work and my to-do list and my emails and all those things that are coming in, week in day in and day out, it is difficult to hear God, the, the, the small, quiet whisper. It is difficult. Can we, can we be honest here this morning? Uh, or am I the only one? Thank you. Uh, you had me out there for a second. But it's when I stop. So when I stop, I realize, wow, God's speaking. And God is speaking a lot. And I just wonder whether after launching a vision, maybe the best thing we could do is stop and hear what God's saying. Maybe the best thing that we could do is, is, is stop. Before we start to make our own plans, we stop and we listen and we go, God, what are your plans? If we, if, we, if we as a church saying we believe God gave us this leg of the vision right now, it is time for growth and influence, so that was from the heart of God for our church, then just maybe he's got some plans in how to work that out. And maybe they're going to be a little bit better than my best thought up strategies. And maybe right at the start, I, we should take a space to stop and listen and go, God, what? What are you saying? And that's not just for the leadership of the church. That's not just, that's not just for the, the, those that serve in this place. It's, it's for all of us. Because like, well, like we said a few Sundays ago, if we're going to achieve the vision, we're going to achieve the vision together. There's not one person, two people, five people that are going to make this vision happen. It's all of us together. It's you. It's you. It's all of us. It's everyone. It's everyone doing what they've been called to do, what the gifts that God's put on their life to do. Together, we're going to see this vision worked out. So don't discount yourself from maybe needing to, to stop and to hear what God's saying to you in this season about the vision of this church. I had, I had a little moment the other night. As, um, you know, as you do, like, you finally get to sort of put the washing away or clean up the toys at like sort of 8 p.m., because uh, kids have finally gone to bed. And um, often, I don't know if you can relate, for those of you who have had young kids and now your kids have grown up, or, or this is going to be a little like a little prequel, a little like trailer for your future life for those of you that haven't had kids yet. But there, there, there comes a time when the kids have finally fallen asleep and, 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 and maybe, maybe Rach is, is cooking dinner, getting her ready, and, and I'm looking around and there's toys everywhere or there's washing uh, still in the basket, hashtag real life, right? And, and, and I, I sneak in to Addie's room or I'll sneak into Evie's room, uh, tiptoeing in because I just want to put a few things away and, uh, and, and, and turn around. And, you know, you, you, uh, raising kids is, is hard, right? It's hard work. And, and, and all day you can be like working at, at being a parent, working at raising these kids. And then in, in, in a moment, you're in their room and they're asleep and you can look at them and just be like, oh, I just love that boy. 
Can anyone relate to that, that moment when the child is asleep and it's like you just look at him and it's like all of the tension, all of the, the angst of the day has just kind of like washed away and they are just like this little angelic being like levitating in their bed. It's like little harps playing and, um, you know, I just I had one of those moments and I was like, oh my goodness, I wonder if this idea of the Sabbath is not supposed to be a little bit more like that moment than maybe what I think. A little bit more like that moment where I stop and just go, oh my goodness. You see, in Genesis, we read that actually that's exactly what God did. It's exactly what he did. That's exactly how he instigated the Sabbath. It's exactly how he, he, he formed and performed the first stop. All the way back at the beginning, at the end of creation, he simply stopped, stepped back, looked around and went, geez, it's good. Look at those little things I've created. It's so beautiful. It's amazing. His Sabbath was centered around celebrating and delighting in, taking pleasure in his creation. Which is often a far cry from what most of us think when we hear the word Sabbath. Right? If we were to do like a little word association game, who's had one of those, who's played like a little word association? Who's been like, don't raise your hand if right, you've been a psychologist and they do those word association games. Um, word association game, right? If I said Sabbath, Right? I, I did a little test on myself. I don't know if that really works because you pre-think what you're going to respond with, but there you go. These are some of the answers that I think might be attributed to a word association game around Sabbath. Immediately, we're Sabbath, people might, you might think Sunday. Saturday, there's some Seventh-day Adventist Association, I don't know. Law. You might think the Jews, the Israelites. You might hear Sabbath and you think stop. You might hear Sabbath and you think, no, you're not allowed to work. You might hear Sabbath and you might think Ten Commandments. All of which, all of those words are actually related to the outworking of the Sabbath post-Moses. Post-Moses, which was actually not when the Sabbath was instigated. And if we, if we attribute what something should look like um, at, at, without looking at how it began, we can get a skewed view of how it should be outworked. Because, because if we only look at the way the Israelites outworked something, what we don't realize is that possibly they're human like we are, and they didn't always outwork something the way it was planned back when God instigated it. Like if we were to, if we were to look at how they outworked the season in the wilderness, we'd think complaining was okay. <laughs> I don't know, I'll check my email inbox this week. He took the first Sabbath, not because he was tired and not because he needed to recoup, but actually because Sabbath always had a greater purpose, a greater reason, and a greater fruit to come from it. He says, the staff, uh, we're actually uh, all reading this book. Uh, it's called The Emotionally Healthy Leader. And um, you guys should be pleased that we're, we're pursuing those things. But Chapter 5 of this book is actually centered all around the Sabbath. 
He unpacks the principle of the Sabbath. He unpacks the importance of the Sabbath. And, uh, and so we've been looking at that particular chapter uh, leading into this message series and, and, and seeing what God's been saying to us about that. But in one part of the chapter, he unpacks what he considers the indisputable elements of the Christian life. Now, if you want to dispute these, you can email Peter Scarzaro, not Nate.Wellburn, okay, if you're wondering. But he would say the indisputable elements of the Christian life are prayer, the Word, and worship. To which most of us would be like, Yep, yep, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with those three. That's good. Yep, I, I would, I'm in agreement. I think those three are indisputable, necessary elements to the Christian life. But then he adds a fourth one. Right up there with prayer, the word, and worship, he puts the Sabbath. Now, I don't know about you, but I know for most of my Christian walk, uh, I have been aiming at uh, uh, bringing in the prayer, bringing in the Word, and bringing in worship, and think if I can get those three in my life regularly, if I can get those three in my life functioning with life and, and enjoyment, then I am on the right path. God's going to do things in my world. He's going to transform me, and I believe He absolutely will. But I have never considered that taking a Sabbath is at the same level of importance as my morning prayer life, my baby. My, my daily Bible reading plan. But this, this guy would say that, that that practice is as important as the prayer, word, and worship. Obviously not for our salvation, which comes from trusting in Jesus alone. But he says that these are four indispensable things when it comes to growing as a Christian. I find that an uh, incredible coincidence that he would be outlining the four indisputable characteristics of growth in a time when we've just launched a vision as a church to say it's time for growth. It's time for growth. Well, how might that work in us? Now, we, when we talk growth, let's, let's, be, let's, let's, let's define that. We're talking about growth of people, uh, that we will see more people coming to find Jesus. But we are absolutely also talking about growth in people. Seeing each and every person growing in their maturity in Christ, actually becoming more like Jesus. I'm not sure if you've done the things that I do, like every so often I will look at my life, I'll take a bit of an inventory, and I don't know if it's a wise thing to do, but I go, am I actually looking anything more like Jesus? Really, am I? Sometimes the answer is a little scary. So often I can, I can, I can, get caught up in doing the Christian life, forgetting that the Christian relationship is about becoming more like Jesus. And I wonder if I put more time into stopping, pausing, hearing the voice of God, then I might see a little bit more fruit in being a little bit more like Jesus. He goes on to define the Sabbath. He says it's a 24-hour period. He says that it involves four main aspects. If you're a note taker, this is where uh, you want to write these four down. This is going to be your major takeaway from this morning. Uh, that He defines that the Sabbath involves stopping, resting, delighting, and contemplating. Stopping, resting, delighting, and contemplating. 
It is a God-ordained way for us to slow down for meaningful connection with God, ourselves, and those we care about. I don't know about you, but when it's put like that, it actually sounds pretty good. I'd, I'd love to have a little bit more time in my world just to, just, just to slow down, just to, just to hang out with my family, just to, just to be in meaningful connection with my wife, with my kids, with those around me. I don't know anyone who doesn't want that. That sounds great. So why don't we do it? This is, these are the thoughts that go through my head. So, so Nate, why, why don't you do it? Why don't you stop? Why don't you slow down? And I think part of it is that by actually implementing, committing to, and living out a habitual Sabbath, we're going to have to deal with so many of the aspects of our human condition that it's actually easier not to. Issues such as our significance being found in what we do, in our accomplishments, in our acclaim, in our position, that we achieve in our jobs fills the void of value that we've yet to find fully in Christ, right? Our identity, our significance and importance, uh, why we are loved, liked, accepted by others. It, it would actually force us to let go of the pride that we attach to the significance of what we think that we achieve or we do, even in the context of, say, something like, and hear me in this, but something like building the church, that somehow what we do has so much importance that I couldn't bear to take a day off because somehow the whole church is going to come crashing down because, because somebody wasn't here. Let's just remember whose shoulders the government sits on. We work so we can have because we think that when we have, we won't feel like we do. We compare and so we strive to be like others, to keep up with the Joneses. We neglect what we have to get what we think will give us joy and peace and happiness and satisfaction. And when I say we, I absolutely mean me. I think if nothing else, diving into this idea of the Sabbath and diving into this principle of the Sabbath, I've come to recognize that this is something I need to continue pursuing. I don't enjoy preaching something I don't feel like I've at least begun practicing, but I guess I'm here this morning to say that, that I have begun exploring this journey and I am far seeing the necessity of it in life. When I take a look at my life, I see way too many of these traits rearing their ugly heads, even at the thought of a Sabbath. But then I've begun reading and exploring this idea, and I'll be honest, it's, it's capturing me. It's resonating in me. It's, it's, it's describing a life I'd actually like to be living. If, if you explore some of the, the elements of the Sabbath that he talks about in this book, he paints this picture of the Sabbath, this beautiful 24-hour period where you are able to switch off from the pressures of work, disconnect from the emails, disconnect from the phone calls. Just focus on the things that bring you delight. He encourages you to make a list of what brings you joy, what brings you delight, and to pursue those on that day. 
to connect with your family, to do things with your kids. To, I, I, look at, I look at that day and I go, wow, I could, I could go for a run. I could go for a bushwalk with my kids. We could sit around. We could go outside and have a fire in the fire pit. And, and I, would, I would have blocked out that whole day. I'm not answering emails. They can wait. There is no email that cannot wait one day. Have fun. Seek God. Lifting off the pressure that we so easily receive onto our shoulders that somehow the changing of lives and the changing of the world rests on us. And as I've begun to explore this picture and paint what it could look like in my life, I've realized and I've walked away going, oh, wouldn't that be nice? I'd love to have those things as a repeating day in my world where I knew every week, every week, I was going to have a day just to focus on enjoyment and delight and walk, looking around at God's creation and just being like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. Look at my kids. Let's go and do something, guys. Let's have a date with my wife, you know, and, just, and not feel guilty about taking that space. Peter Scazzaro goes on to say, through this weekly practice, we defy every influence that defines us, either by our leadership role or productivity. I would add to that, because this book is focused on leadership, I would add to that all the things we accomplish. We too easily allow ourselves to be defined by what we accomplish, that our sense of value and importance is somehow integrated into the things we do So often, it is accomplishments that we celebrate. And, and I think for most of us, we'd be quite happy to go, yep, Sabbath, stopping, resting, understand those. But, but what is this idea of celebrating? What, what, is, what is this idea of celebrating? We look, at, we look at Genesis, the first instance where God instituted the Sabbath, and we, and we see Him celebrating. We see Him looking across His creation and going, whoo, it's a good job. That's awesome. Uh, look how good that is. That is amazing. Is this element to the Sabbath to do with celebration? And it's in the last few minutes we have together. I want to zoom right in on that because I think, I think too often it's our accomplishments that we celebrate. But God has a very different idea around celebration when it's linked to the Sabbath. Right back in that Genesis passage, if, if, if we look at it in, in the Good News translation, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't think I put it on the slides, but the Good News translation goes on to say that at the end of the sixth day, as God looked over all he had made, it gave him great pleasure. Gave him great pleasure. And that's, that's a, a kind of important, I guess, because if, if you dig down to the root of that word, Right, and you start to see Pastor Keith's influence on my life right now. But if you, if you dig down to the root of that word and take the Hebrew and then look at what the Greek translation is for the Hebrew root of that word, because the Old Testament is in Hebrew, and, 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 and sometimes I think we find it easier to apply the New Testament to our life. So, so that's in Greek. So we take the, the root Hebrew of pleasure and find out what it's translated to in Greek. And it's interesting because that word pops up a number of times in the New Testament. 
pops up in one particular location that is recorded three times in three different Gospels, once in each. Matthew 3, 17, Luke 3, 21, and Mark 1, 11. The word is translated for us as well-pleased. I don't know if you've picked up on where this is going, but it's that exact phrase that he said over Jesus as he came up out of the waters of baptism. And the voice of God broke out of heaven. And we have one of the only moments in the entire canon of Scripture where we get the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit all adjoining over a moment on earth. And he came up out of the water and the voice of heaven spoke and the Spirit descended like a dove. And God said, this is my beloved Son. In Him, I am well pleased. And if we consider that Jesus said a very similar phrase at creation, we have to go, well, what had creation done to deserve God's pleasure? Nothing. Creation had done nothing. Creation had simply been created. At that point, humanity had not even fulfilled the first mandate that it was given, which is to be fruitful and multiply. We had not done that yet. We'd done nothing. And yet God was pleased. And it gets better because as we dig into the New Testament use of the same phrase, we realize that when we study the scriptural account of Jesus' life right up to the point where He was baptized, if you examine all the things that Jesus had done in His life up to that point, I'm going to tell you, it's not much. It's not much. He got lost in Jerusalem. He got born. Didn't have much to do with that one, right? Uh, he, went, he went to Egypt with his family. Again, didn't get much to do with that one. I did this little study with my Christian Life Studies class in, in, this week in, in school. And, and someone said he accepted the gifts from the wise men. I said, he was two years old. He had no choice but to accept the gifts from the wise men. I tell you, you buy my two-year-old a present, he is accepting that present. There's no way he's given that present back to you. Don't even think about it. Jesus in 30 years of his life, has really not done that much but be a son. And God breaks out of heaven, speaks over him. I'm pleased. I'm pleased. There's this transcendent truth that resonates in the very heartbeat of the Sabbath. That is that I can do nothing productive and yet I am utterly loved. I tell you, that truth changes so many things in our life. That truth speaks to the very heart of how we define ourselves, how we define our successes, how we define our accomplishments. And it is in the very moment of stopping and embracing the celebration that sits on the Sabbath from the moment it was instigated, where we stop and we realize that we are loved irrespective of what we do, accomplish, achieve, or see as significant in our life. Actually, it's irrelevant to the level of which God loves us. Suddenly, all the striving for love, the striving for accomplishment gets washed away in the celebration of who I am 
separated from what I do. This idea of celebration as a part of the Sabbath runs so deep and it addresses so many of the gaping crevices of the human condition and the deep longings within us. I believe that as we enter into and engage with that truth, we are freed not just to be celebrated, we are freed to celebrate. We're freed to celebrate others. We're freed to celebrate God's creation, to walk around, to take a walk on the beach with our wife, with our friends, with our kids and go, oh my goodness, look at this place. Look at the waves. Look at the water. It's clear. It's beautiful. Look at the sand, the intricacy of the sand. We are free to celebrate just as God celebrated. When we're free, when, 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 we, when we've received the celebration that God has on our life, I believe we are free to celebrate the way He did right at creation. His first Sabbath where He looked back over all He created and He just celebrated it. Just like this is awesome. believe that as we enter into and engage with that truth, we are freed to celebrate just as God did. When we aren't chasing acknowledgement, accomplishment, value, success, and renown, suddenly we hear the birds chirping, we see the beauty in the trees, and we too can celebrate His creation and the gifts that He offers us in it. So I like to think of the Sabbath as a day's worth of the moment where you stop in the evening your baby's room and you celebrate your child not because of what they've done but because of who they are and celebrate who we are in him I'm going to finish this morning reading a scripture Isaiah 58 it's real interesting actually it comes directly after the passage that I shared the last time I preached when we were talking about influence. Talking about being an influence, going out, being an influence. Right, feed the hungry, welcome the poor. We read all that and we are like, yes, that's so practical. That's great. That's what we should be doing. What directly follows that? Not even, not even a couple of words in between, but the very next verse says this. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Isaiah 58, 13. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight. I think you have the message translation on the screen. It says, if you watch your step on the Sabbath and don't use my holy day for personal advantage, if you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day as a celebration, if you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, you will be free to enjoy God. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. And I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestors, Jacob. Yes, God says so. I don't know about you, but I want to soar in life. I don't want to just achieve something I, don't want to in, I want to enjoy the life that I live. I don't want to let 
the celebration that God has placed within us be sacrificed on the altar of striving for an achievement that I was never graced to run after. I don't know if you're here today, but I feel like band's going to just begin to sing. I'm not going to do a big ministry call on this. I feel like this is something that is between you and God. I firmly believe that He has been speaking to people this morning, begin, beginning to just stir up some of those things. And even the idea of taking your whole 24 hours off work, stopping, putting your phone and your computer away, already you're starting to get like heart palpitations. It's like, ah, uh, no, 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 I can't do that. I want to challenge you that perhaps that tension is the very space in which God wants you to start finding the answer to why can't you do that? What is it? What is so important that you can't do that? And I hope that as a church, as we journey through this series, four more weeks where we're going to unpack different elements of the Sabbath, that just maybe we might be challenged as a church to begin implementing even just at a small bit at the start. But I've gotten to the point where I'm actually really excited about potentially having a Sabbath in my life, weekly. I don't know, maybe God's about to take our church on a journey where we learn what it is to rest so that we have the capacity, both emotionally mentally to actually achieve the things he's placed on our church to do what if it was rest that was required to see the vision fulfilled let's bow your heads across this place heavenly father thank you so much for your word i thank you that it it's living it's active it goes in it separates out our soul and and God, it just highlights and exposes those areas within us, Father, that you want to transform and change so that we can live this amazing, incredible existence that you designed for us to live, Father. Lord, I just want to pray for every person in this place. I have no doubt that being human within them is this striving, accomplishment, all this sort of stuff stirring around at some level. Father, I just pray that as we dive into this series, as we continue exploring your word, Lord, I pray that you would have your way. That just as we sang earlier, Father, that that you would make us whatever you want us to be. And Lord, if we are supposed to begin to influence even the the, the local expression of the kingdom of God in in, in reestablishing something that is so critical in your eyes to to living this life, Father, then I pray that you would stir us and spur us on to be a community that says, you know what, we're going to go after this thing. Because we see its value, we see its beauty. And we see its necessity in our lives as Christians. So God, I pray for every person you're speaking to right now. Lord, I just pray this would be the beginning of an ongoing conversation. Lord, that it would be the beginning, Father, of of a journey of transformation, of change, of genuine life change in people's worlds. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. 
To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.